whether you are an actor or not. I feel that when an actor speaks, everybody kind of wants to listen. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Terry Summers Podcast. I gave you guys a heads up last week in the episode and even uh, a little bit of a nod a, a few weeks ago that I was going to have on my friend, David Patrick Stuckey. Now, I know him as Patrick Stuckey, uh, but he is formally known as David Patrick Stuckey, which sounds so much more sophisticated. He has three names, but David Patrick Stuckey came into my life decades ago. I know that's hard to believe. He wasn't even my babysitter. When I say decades ago, I can hardly put my mind around it because it was more than 30 years ago and I have to remember how old I am and when I met him, but he, uh, I mean, life goes fast, (laughs) y'all, but it just seems like yesterday that I met him and he is ageless, timeless, and a class act. I was able, along with my husband, Jonathan, and our dog, Dixie Daisy, um, we were able to spend time with him and uh, hang out, spend the night, uh, more than one night, um, sleepovers, I guess, but he opened his home to us um, on our travels, on our uh, 30 dates and 30 day adventure. Um, And it was just, it blessed my socks off having that opportunity. But then uh, getting to spend time with him on this episode, I got to tell you, I have been looking forward to having him um, on since, uh, since we have been re- acquainted. I don't even, I don't like that term. It's not reacquainted since we've just been back uh, a little closer in touch with, with one another. But um, you are going, you're going to absolutely love him. Uh, I am on a high today because I have him uh, with us here today. And our uh, time together was just second to none. So um, enjoy him. He will be back. He has a lot of thoughts. And uh, whether you're an actor or not, like I mentioned at the onset, um, you you just will want to listen to him. Here, here he is. David, Dave, I'm dr- I've not been drinking. David Patrick Stuckey. So I... I know that my audience knows that I um, get super excited sometimes, but this really is one of my, like my, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, my heart is beating really fast. I promise you it is. I am so excited. And now that I said that I have chills. So you are with me on my podcast and I might wet myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and uh, as long as I'm not on your sofa doing that, I think you would really be okay with it. Yeah. Cause I did just launder the sofa. Yeah. (laughs) So 
I have given everyone a heads up in a previous podcast um, that I would be having you on, but just to refresh those that might not remember that conversation in a cross country back and forth um, wild 31 day ride road trip um, in that I had the wherewithal to remember where you were, you were in the possible pathway of our trip. And I reached out to you and said, can I see you? And you said, come on. So I just had a chance to see you after. And I added this up for everyone too, which is, I shouldn't do that because then they all, they know too much about me, but um, that it's been 30, more than 30 years that I- Has it really? That, I, that, that we saw each other. Well, yeah, hovering yeah. around 30 years that we saw each other, but we've been friends for, um, just a second, I'm going to do the math, like 20, like 35, 36 years. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I, I, so do you notice that I haven't let you talk yet and then you're on my yeah. podcast? Yeah. Um, it, <laughs> it, it's coming, I promise you. But I'm, I just I'm, remember yep. when I met you, you and I, and I was trying to think about the name of it today, but it was a, it was a very, uh, like if I recall, you had to audition for it and it wasn't mm-hmm. inexpensive. It was mm-hmm. um, like a, a master's class of sorts, but it was, I think it was called Director's Lab for Actors in mm. Los Angeles. And they, the whole point being is that you worked on real scenes from, from mostly television. I don't think we had film directors in, I don't recall, but, and then, then there was somebody that they, I don't remember how many we had, but we did get people coming in that were directors in the business at the end of like a showcase kind of time. Is that what you recall? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a long time ago, but that was the gist. It is a long time ago, but it was something like that. I know it was. It was a fairly high level of um, production and participation, participants and stuff. There was somebody in that class, as a matter of fact, whose name I can never remember, but who immediately kind of went on to do a bunch of things. Yeah, really big. And there was also, remember that um, guy, he was smallish and he had uh, red hair and he did a ton of stuff and he was in that class. He had that high that really interesting voice. Do you know who I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, no, I absolutely do. I do. Like, yeah. coming back to me. And I my wish I could remember these Anne people's names because it. they're known actors now. Right. And we're not, um, I I'm, really stink at names. So I, but, but I love that you kind of don't recall his name either. And that we both right. acknowledge that he had red hair and he was short, uh, short in structure and he had a high voice. That's what matters yeah. to us. It is what Here's matters to thing. us. And also, um, you know, the real stars were us. You know, here's why I love you is that you speak such truth and so, <laughs> so directly. So uh, I had a connection with you. You know, I am, you know, social and love to visit with people, but I had a connection with you immediately. And then it wasn't, but just, I think that first uh, time, I'm mean, like, maybe these things went on for about four hours at a time. I mean, we were there for a little yeah. bit once a week. Right. And right. Um, and I think by the end of that four hours, I just felt like you were family and that I was connected. But then I thought that it was interesting, unbeknownst to any kind of connection between you and I, the, 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 the producer of all of this paired you and I up, I think, in a scene. Yeah, yeah. Which you were scary beans in. Do you remember uh, that scene? I was murdering you. 
I do. I think I had my hands around your throat. You did. You, yes. Yeah. And you were, you, mm-hmm. oh, I had chill yeah. bumps. And yeah. you scared the poop out of me. I mean, I, it's like, but you know, which you, which I loved in you as an actor, like, wait a second. <laughs> where's Patrick Um, now let me just say this I know that I've reiterated that uh previous to people joining but why do I know you as Patrick but really a lot of the world knows you as David okay I'll do this as quickly as I can but there is no real short version of it it's because I went to England at the first opportunity I'd always wanted to go because I spent my childhood reading Jane Austen and Charles Dickens in the barn in Kansas when I was growing up. So the minute I was really, really free to do what I wanted to do, I went to London because I felt that's where I belong. Um, and almost immediately on getting there, I was stopped on the street in a, in a you know, like Shaft's drugstore or something. I, I was taken, uh, a photographer took some pictures of me. They took me to the best agent in town. He was, uh, and I got started modeling like within a week or two weeks of being in London. It was ridiculous. Pause for a moment. I know that everyone's going to know this because I will have advertised with pictures, but you uh, you would stop somebody in a drugstore just to take a look. So keep going. Yeah. And so I went in, I, I got the pictures and the, the photographer wanted to build up his portfolio. So he gave me the pictures for free. I took them into Peter Benison, who was the best men's agent in London. And he said um, to his secretary who took the pictures in to show him, I only found this out later. He, he sent her back out to me and she had two of the pictures in her hands. And, and what he had said to her was, if he looks like this, send him in. If he looks like this, send him home. And so she sent me in and I'm sitting there and he said, I have to change. The, uh, the first thing he said to me is, do you want to sign? And I said, I don't know what that means. Said, yes, I think I do. And he said, well, I have to change your name. And I thought he meant at some point, you know, we would think about this. And I looked up and I realized he meant right now. And I said, um, well, um, could I be David? Because my favorite uncle's name was David. And he said, yes, you'll be David Patrick. And the reason was because he had another model named Patrick Stewart, not the actor. But I was Patrick Stuckey and we were too close in type and name. So that's how I became David. But subsequent to that, I lived in London for five years and everyone knew me as David which was fine. And I went back and forth to England a lot. And all the time that I was in England, I was David. And all the time I was in America, I was Patrick. Never a, never a problem until 2001, many years later, I went to Maine to produce a theater festival with a friend from London who had already said her friend David was coming. So as the plan was for this theater production to be only for the summer, I just said, well, we'll just let it go. But as it turned out, the theater, uh, the, the play, play festival was a huge success, which went on to a really huge career change where I was a director in a museum for four more years. So as, a, as a, the theater production, or the, we, the thing we produced got written up in the New York Times and the Boston Globe and, and really everywhere. And it lasted for three years. So by this time, my, my, my whole career, well, I didn't actually have a career before, that was sort of the first time in my life I'd had a career. So I'm loath to let it go because it's the only one I've ever had. And, and it didn't start till I was 60, 50 years old or something. Yeah, older, almost 60 years old. So that's how I was David. And so then 
I had to put the two names together and I became David Patrick as a stage name. I've since made a feature film and a bunch of done a bunch of theater. I became an actor. Um, and so now I, I really can't back out of the double barreled name. Well, so uh, no, almost everybody totally... now who knows me and I introduce myself as David. So it's basically, yeah, David Patrick. Well, I remember your headshots that I have, I still have from back mm. then. They say David Patrick Stuckey on the, right. the bottom yeah. of them. And I thought maybe that was just that Patrick was your middle name and that, you know, when you met people socially, I did not know this story until I reconnected yeah. with you just a little bit yeah. ago. Um, and you and I had stayed loosely connected over those years. Then there was a period of time that that kind of f fell away. You went back to London, but let me just back up for a minute. Okay. So, um, uh, when you say you didn't have a career and that you became an actor, so, and I know this a little bit now because you and I visited a few weeks ago, I would never have taken that. I wouldn't, I, I think I did a double take with my, with my catching that and listening to that because every memory that I have of you is anchored in you being an actor. So right. was that just your interpretation of what a career looks like? Or was it how it was validated officially by jobs and paychecks and blah, blah, blah? Or can you tell me a little bit about that? I can't, I, I, I did meet you as an actor, but it, but it was in a classroom setting, which I'm always very good at. I'm very good at classroom settings. You know, I'm, I'm a show off in a little tiny protected area like that and everything. But in fact, I had completely debilitating stage fright, fright until I, until I was 65 or 63, somewhere around there. To the point that whenever I got a chance to actually audition, I would get tunnel vision and hyperventilate and sneak out the stage door. I never actually went through an audition other than for a class or something. Um, I had no problem modeling or public speaking or anything. So it didn't inhibit me from anything, but it was a very specific, a very specific and really stupid delaying tactic maybe not stupid because it's all you know I like where I ended up but yeah I I then went away didn't try to do it again a couple of times in London because all my friends there were actors I had a chance to audition for plays in the West End I had I got a chance to audition for 40 carats I don't know if you remember that it was amusing yeah and um and and I snuck out the stage door, literally. I, I, I mean, I embarrassed the person who'd set up the audition. But anyway, I finally got over it, realized that acting was something you could learn to do. And, and you, if you just, you know, if you wanted to do it, just work hard, which I learned in a kind of um, Meisner-ish acting class that, uh, that my co-producer from Maine gave me as a birthday present for my 65th birthday. That's why I always, and in the middle of that class, I had one of the only very few real epiphanies of my life. And I realized I could do this, you know? And not only that, but I, at the same time, once I was not having a panic attack I, and could look at it objectively, I realized not only could I do it and get better at it, but that I was already pretty good at it. Yes. And so it was like, I went from terrified to fearless in, um, in the middle of a Meisner exercise. I mean, literally, blam, you know, just bam. It was just one of those silly repeat back and forth exercises, you know, and I suddenly thought, oh, I get it. I don't know why it took me that long. I'm slow. Not. Well, we know that's not the case. Um, well, but, uh, but uh, there's evidence. 
the, so so tell me what the exercise was again it was just one of those you repeat or you're you know you're face to face knee to knee with with an acting partner and yeah. they say something and you either repeat it or respond to it or change it or but you but you make constant eye contact and you know I, in the middle, I, I, I was, once I'd had the realization that I could do this, I made my acting partner cry within about the next three interchanges because I, I just suddenly had unlimited power to, you know, to affect anyone I was acting opposite, which means it's because I was acting, you know, it just yeah. suddenly it came very natural to me. Wow, I, I have not heard that story. That is so cool. And it you, was you you hearkened a little bit. I'm going to hearken back, but I mean, you met you hearkened a little bit to where you came from when you said you grew up as a boy reading these books in 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 Kansas. Tell you know when I when first of all, you, you have a um, we joked about it when we visited when I rang you up here for for Zoom. Um, the the thoughts of your space and you said yes it's so sophisticated but actually you know you're so sophisticated to me like you have <laughs> um a wonderful vocabulary you when you walk in a room like i said you know you're there for a whole bunch of reasons um and you carry yourself with grace and uh presence and ease and you know calmness i mean sophisticated doesn't really do you justice however um you have such and i don't mean this in a dichotomy kind of way but you have such an earthy element to you like a barefooted walking in the dirt kind of feeling and i know that has to well i don't know but i suspect that has to be some of your upbringing Oh, it's huge. My upbringing was, and, and, and there's no better metaphor for it, I think, than that powdery, talcum powdery, soft dust that you walk barefoot in in Kansas on a farm. I mean, that's one of my, one of my trigger memories if I want a particular kind of, if I want my mind to go to a certain place. So it's funny you should use that phrase. But yeah, I grew up on a farm in, in Kansas, a Mennonite. I was raised a Mennonite. Um, and um, by the most extraordinary parents. I mean, I had, first of all, I was lavishly loved from the moment of my birth and it's really never stopped. So it's like ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You know, it's just, I, I, I mean, it's not something that comes up every day, but, and every time I think about it, I think how the, how the, I, I tend to swear, I'll try not to. Um, how did I ever get that lucky. I mean, it's, it's been the great, incredible blessing of my life that I had the parents I had, and also a bit of extended family, a couple of aunts and, you know, but particularly my parents, they were, they were in, they were madly in love with each other, which I think is the major, major factor in why they were such good parents. They also were a bit older when they had me and my brothers, but they, so I was raised by adults, but I was raised by adults who were in love with each other, the entirety of their marriage. And so I was raised by people that loved me and my brothers, but had no need for me. So they had no expectations of me. You know, when I came out- Whoa, 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 say that again. They had no expectations. They had no need for you. They had no need for me. Why, and, and just, just because I think that's a powerful thought, I know we were gonna let this conversation go where it will, and it went, we, it's, it's- And it will, yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> um, uh, they had no need for you. Why did they have no need for you? Because they were, they were, 
as close to perfectly realized human beings as I've ever met. And I know that lots of people probably think that I still have my parents on a pedestal. And if I do, it's only because that's where they deserve to be. They were, they were mature, they were ethical to the bone. They had the emotional, um, they had the emotional safety of this great love affair between the two of them. They had no, um, they didn't have any expectations of their children to fulfill their needs because they fulfilled their own needs and they had done a marvelous job of it. So, you know, they loved us and they were fascinated by us. I think they were particularly fascinated by me um, because I was so weird, you know, for a Kansas farm boy. I mean, it was just, I was tell ridiculous. me tell me a little bit more. I love it. What do you mean? You're well, I was you know I was born gay, but I probably didn't really consciously realize it until I was three. But I was a beautiful, blue-eyed, blonde, bouncing little gay boy in the middle of farm country, and I, I mean, not that we had words for it or that I actually knew that's what it was, but but there was no question. One of the reasons that people looked at me when I walked into a room from the very beginning was they were going you know, kind of flinching back and going, what the hell is that kind of thing? And kind of nudge, nudge, wink, wink. I mean, you know, I mean, nobody is so completely ignorant of that reality, I think, even though, even though it might, they might have consciously put a label on it or anything. But yeah, I was pretty flamboyant as a child. And, you know, and, and you know that from your experience or from how you uh, had your uh, people feed back to you mostly from my own experience I just look back on it and I think you know I know I mean I just okay I, yeah and yeah. You're, where do you fall in the lineup with your brothers I was in the middle in the middle okay an older brother and a younger brother right and um and I hope you don't mind I want I just I know you're as real as they come but you had some tragedy there yeah, my younger brother was killed when he was 17 and I was 19 um, by just the weirdest um, confluence of events. He was going to visit a friend after getting off his part-time job, so it was late at night. Um, a detour on a Kansas road, totally unmarked, a railroad crossing with no lights, no signals of any kind whatsoever, driving, you know, probably fairly quickly through the countryside in a convertible and just drove right into the train. So it was like, yeah. Um, and the highway patrol came and I at that time was back in Kansas after a brief stint of school in California. And, and I answered the door to the highway patrol and it was a, a moment that changed my life. There was that in my life is the before and after moment. You know, it was just because, because like I was saying, I was pretty flamboyant. I was a Liberty jib, but I was considered the one who was flighty and art, artistic was a word we used heavily back then. Um, and I would never have thought that my family would lean on me. It just wasn't my role in our family at all. And as it turned out, it was my role in our family. And that night, as each person came to the house or I got a hold of them by phone or whatever, first of all, my parents immediately, I knew I had to take care of them. But I thought that the minute my brother got there, he would take care of, he would take over. But as each person that I expected to take over got there, I had to take care of one more person, or at least I had to be neutral. I mean, they were not gonna take my role. Um, we went to, to where the, the accident was and my favorite aunt met us there. And I said, uh, when we were heading back to our house in, in Wichita, that um, I would ride back with her and she said, no, 
you will write back to your parents. I would do this for you if I can, but you have something to do now. You have stuff that you have to do now. And essentially said, in, I don't know in what words, but that this is your job. I can't help you. I can't, oh. you know, which was very wise on her part. But also, it still makes me come up short when I think of that moment because it changed who I am, it changed who I am. It turned out to be a really useful change. I mean, later on, it gave me strength and stamina and wisdom that you don't usually get a, a chance at at 19. And um, so it was, a, it, was a, it was a great thing, but a, a huge, huge, uh, had a huge effect. Patrick, you know, I love spending time with you. And right, I'm, <laughs> I, know, I know that people are listening um, to us, but I just want to stop and say that um, with misty eyes as I listen to you, you are a beautiful human being. And um, I thank you for sharing. And as you always have shared with me, but the beauty of the truth of what you just shared right now has just moved me so much. And um, I, I just, I, I, I need you in my life. And I, and I use that word loosely, but not so much because you are so rich and you bring so much to me. So I can't thank you enough for going there with me um, and with, with us. But when you say it changed you and what, how you described. So, so yes, I didn't, I didn't know you before 19, but now with you sharing that and knowing who you are and like a, like a tree, like a, like a well-rooted tree. I see that, how that in your words changed you, or at least I can look over your shoulder to your past and see the effect of that. Yeah. And, um, and how grateful I am that you are so, and I mean this in the best of ways, you're so good with, even that tragic loss because of your, your love for your family, how you stepped in the role. I mean, you're good with all of that, though I'm sure you would give anything to have not ever had to have said goodbye to your, um, your brother, but the way in which you share about it is just beautiful. And um, in, in, in anything I could say, the effect that it had to have had on you has only brought such delicious fruit so i i got off track a little bit there but i just thought in the moment you know with all that's going on just in life and all that always has that you really teach me to live um to be present you know by how present you are with me Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I just wanted to take the opportunity while we were at that moment to say, I didn't mean to hone in on all that you have going in this conversation. Cause I, I know where I want some of it to go, but I appreciate that you shared that, um, the earthiness that you have. So there was a thought that I had, I shared with you that I watched the documentary, Val Kilmer's documentary, and I thought of you through all of it. And I won't divulge all the reasons I did until you watch it. And then we can check. Okay. But there was something that he said at the onset, and then he kind of went back and grabbed it again and dissected it a little bit more. Um, but he said something about 
um, that he always wanted to do a documentary about acting and to, to, to kind of break down where, um, where I end and the character starts. That was his quote. Then later on, he went back and revisited. And right away, I thought about you because I thought that you might uh, not completely agree with that, meaning the I end and the character starts. And I might have taken him too literally. I can but that we bring ourselves into the character and the character comes and joins us so much. And I feel like I've, what are your thoughts on that, on that particular phrase? I don't, I don't know how much of it is semantic and there seem to be sort of two different uh, actors sort of view themselves in two different ways as actors. For, for me, once I realized that I could learn how to do it and, and it, that moment was kind of transformative in a way too, because it, in realizing that I could do it, I allowed myself to really fully experience how much I desperately wanted to do it and wow. had always wanted to do it. Okay. And so now I could like just charge ahead and do it, you know, which was very exciting. But so I had to really, so I, I, I found that thing that I hadn't allowed myself to look at coming on me all at once, a really exciting moment, a really, really fun time. And for me, um, the reason I want to be an actor, and that I think informs what kind of actor I am and how I go about it, is I want to be completely naked. I mean, it's all I have ever wanted, you know, from the time I was a little kid and I thought I was an alien dropped into this weird sort of terribly wholesome, you know, flower sack shirt community kind of thing, you know. Um, I just, I always wanted people to get who I was and the people immediately, my, my, my folks, not always, I mean, even, oh dear. No worries, no worries, Sorry. no worries. I, I hung it up. Um, uh, I don't know that they, they always got me. I, like I said, I was always loved, but I didn't always feel like I was understood. And, um, and by understood, I don't mean like, oh, poor me, I mean, I would say things that I wanted people to laugh at and they would take offense or I would uh, I would say something what that I thought was profound and people might laugh or something you know I mean there was there was a certain disconnect between me and the world um and so I've always felt from when I was little you know and I it was it was really manifestly uh shown to me how much I cared about that like when I first moved to England and for the first time in my life when I said something that I thought was very, very funny, people who were listening to it thought it was very, very funny, which had not been my experience very often in America because here my kind of humor, which is very understated and, and cerebral and English, I suppose, um, it doesn't always go down well in America. It's in fact, usually thought to be hateful and nasty and mean. So, <laughs> so, um, so you know, that, that's just one of many, many ways that I felt like I wish people would hear what I have to say, I guess, and see me for who I am. So that's what acting is, why acting is exciting to me, because it's an opportunity to be, to reveal yourself, you know, and that's all we have is ourselves. So that's all I really want to do is to reveal myself in the most constructive, um, fullest truth, the most truthful way I possibly can. And that's why I act, that's, you know, um, it's it's why I have acted the acted the way I act in life, 
um, because I'm trying to be seen, uh, and to be honestly seen, you know, not because I want attention, by the way, because I had so much attention. I was a celebrity from the moment I was born. It was a little world, but when everybody in that little world knows everything about you and who you are and everything, you're a celebrity. I mean, at least you have the, the sensation of being a celebrity. And I, so that's not of no interest to me. In fact, it's really an encumbrance. And I understand, even though I'm not that kind of celebrity, I get why that wouldn't be an aspiration necessarily. But um, did I get off track here? Um, no. Keep um, we're oh, we're talking about being why seen. you act, why, mm -hmm. and because that's why I act. The other good thing, I the other th reason I act is because it allows you to get to know yourself even more deeply, even if you're prone to narcissism, as I clearly am. Um, it's a way to get your to know yourself more deeply because you're given a person to be, and the only way I can say the lines that that person says is to figure out where in some or how or what the circumstances in some parallel universe would be that me david patrick could say the lines truthfully that come out of that character's mouth so i have to find their reality somewhere in my imagination yeah of what i could be you know, it's still, I, I'm, I'm hyper aware that the only tool I have as an actor is me. I can only make this part more interesting than the next guy if I filter it through David Patrick and David Patrick's experiences, my experiences, my places I've lived. If I need atmosphere, I have to find it somewhere in my actual life, you know, and then let it caress my skin and take over and you know just like i mean just if i wanted to feel like if I, I have to act like i'm in the tropics say well i have to pull that from actual experience and the same thing if i have to go to an emotional place where i would really as myself never go i have to find a way as myself at least in my imagination to go there even if it's horrible even if it's maybe better than I think I'm ever capable of being, but whatever, I have to get there as myself. So, you know, I haven't interrupted you. And the reason being is I don't dare because I love listening to you. I am like, I, I don't know if you've considered, you know, having an opportunity online to share and do some workshops. You just have such a way about you. One of the things that, so we, we, um, we lost a little contact and then I went searching for you a little more than a year ago on Facebook and I found you and you were actually, you'd gone to London for a season and we're back here in the States. You were in New York. Right. And, um, and uh, long story short, because I will be having you back on, I think we need to like make a series or something, but um, <laughs> the uh, you, you were sharing um with me when we had a moment to talk on the phone, I just, you know, and catch up that you had been self taping. And I will admit that I had not really been familiar with that term. I mean, it's sort of somewhat self-explanatory and given the fact that you had shared with me that you had, you had um, entered into this uh, career as an actor um, in a way that I, had always assumed you were, but I mean that you were being a little bit more clear with me about that. Um, so the self taping really intrigued me. And that's before mm. you 
and I even visited recently when we stayed at your place, which just was some of the most enchanting time spent. Um, you explained to me a little bit about it, but I knew right then that I wanted you to be on the podcast to share about that. There's so much right. for you to share about, but can you kind of tell us about that process? I, yeah. as you broke it down, I was just really fascinated. And then when I watched some of yourself tapes, I'm like, what? Anyway. Yeah. Um, I think, well, it's, it's, it's the audition technique of the future. Basically it's already been done for quite a while in Europe and, and England. And that's where I started acting. So that's where I first became aware of how often you're asked to send, you're, you're sent a little bit of a script and you're expected to tape it and edit it, you know, learn it, tape it, decide what you're gonna do with it and then post it back to the casting director. Yes, and in that way I was familiar, but in the way that you were doing it as a practice, I wasn't. Right, well, but because I was getting so much call and the, 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 the person that is responsible for all this is a guy, a casting director who was several times voted the most popular casting director among actors in London. And his name is Manuel Puro, P-U-R-O. And he uh, initiated, he created this course called uh, the 21 day self tape challenge. And it, the class is still offered. I, I highly recommend anybody to go on and Google it. And it's called, the acting habit, I think is the website, or you could also find it by just Googling 21 day self tape challenge and it'll all come up and be explanatory. But um, what it is, is he sent, he, you know, he has a class every once in a while. So they're like, I think in my class, there were 21 people taking the class and every day at seven o'clock in your time zone, you're sent a little bit of script. Uh, mostly during the course of the 21 days, they were almost all, with the exception of, I think only three or four, they were monologues. So, which is the easiest kind to do because you don't, because it's just about the acting. You don't get caught up in how to produce it and all that. Um, but at any rate, so for 21 days, you get your little script, you learn it, you decide what you're gonna do with it. If you're gonna do an accent or if you're gonna you know, do it as yourself or do it as a character or whatever. And then you tape it and you post it back to you edit it. I, I just edit on iMovie. You can, you know, the editing doesn't have to be much. It's just chopped at the beginning of the end and fade right. in and fade out and all of that. And then you post it back and then the instructor looks at all of them and gives you feedback on them. But also all the other 20 members of the class see it and you're all doing the same scene. <gasps> they are all um, carefully selected so that you can change the gender or the age or the whatever so that anybody can do any one of them. It's Sometimes it's a bit of a stretch. I remember one of the early ones was the 16 uh, year old girl from Juno. It was a monologue from that. And of course I'm a 77 year old man. And so, and this is a good example of how you make leaps in order to say the truth. So in order to say the speech, which was essentially written for a 16 year old girl, I had to, be caught by the camera telling somebody what this 16 year old girl had told me. So I was telling the story of the monologue, really. I mean, that isn't in there in any way, that's but in order to make. speak yeah. the truth, that's what I had to do in my head and yeah. it worked, you know. So anyway, that's at the end of the course, if you wish to continue for a very nominal fee, you can sign up 
and continue to get sides every day and you post them. Now, at that point, the instructor falls away. You don't get feedback from him anymore, but you get it from all the other people who are doing it. And you can look at their tapes and they look at your tape. And there are people who have been doing it even longer than I have, but I have now been doing it for 1,212 days without missing a day. <laughs> and it's, it's, like, it's like a gym workout for an actor, oh. which I really need. I really need that. I need that discipline. And what does it, so, okay, I, I, again, I have chill bumps just to think about the commitment. And though, and I won't even go into it right now, but I think I shared with you the little odd commitment about my kitchen that I've made, um, but this is not related, but just that decision to do something and not break it. Yeah. Day after day after day to stay that committed to what you choose to do today and not say, oh, I'll pick that back up tomorrow or whatever. Right. That is so powerful in and of itself. Do you not agree? Well, it works for me. When I don't do that, I'm, I'm very prone to drift. You know, um, not hello. stay focused. Nice on, to yeah. meet you. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that, oh, God. Of the world I have chills again. I did not know this was Mike turned into a therapy session, but <laughs> it, it, it did from the word hello. So um, the... <clears throat> Yeah. So what that offers you just as a human being, let alone an actor, right, yeah. is what I'm hearing is that the commitment to do something every day kind of keeps you tethered and, and maybe protects you from the, the drift. Absolutely. And it keeps me from any possibility of sliding back because that whole, um, just talking back to that whole uh, terrified. Yes person that I was in, in my relationship with acting for most of my life, it keeps me from even going near that. It keeps me courageous, which reminds me, did you ever stop and think about the word encourage? It's um, like, no, I, but I'm going to get my pen out because I know something, a walk. Well, it's just that it's, um, we, we use it really casually and I, I'm, because I do crosswords and stuff and I, I suddenly I, I was looking at the word just on paper and it means to make someone courageous, to encourage someone, mm -hmm. is to give them courage. And it's <laughs> become my favorite word. Oh, offline, we're gonna have to talk. And then I'll and then after I dissect it with you offline on our next episode, we can break it down for everybody. Yeah. But um anyway, I fear that I'll I become digress. a blubbering mess, I will wait. <laughs> but um to yeah, all right, I've written that down. Um Wow. Wow. And so, but when you, when you told me not, but, but in addition, when you shared this with me, when we were revisiting, I, I'm talking so fast, I know I'm not enunciating. I feel like a little kid who can't get it out of her mouth. But uh, <laughs> uh, when we reconnected and you were sharing in our conversations about this exercise that re you were doing afterwards, I gave it thought, what would that be like? What would that be like? And right away, I felt very, um, empowered at the concept of you know the world the world of acting as you know when we put it into career mode you mm -hmm. know jobs equals success etc mm -hmm. it it sort of takes the power away from us a little bit don't you right. agree okay and yeah, you, know, you really have to not care about um that Right. Yeah. But I mean, if we keep our minds there, we, I feel like we can tumble around like in a dryer and not, 
You know what I'm saying? It's like always there that someone else is going to get call the shots on that part of the qualifying element of being an actor. Okay? Right. Yeah, um, I do. I do it because I get to act every day. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. And you basically are directing yourself. Yeah. And you are making choices for the best thing that you can produce. And all of that just says, wow, what? You know what I mean? Yeah. It, and, and it, it is, um, you know I mean? You're, re- you're really autonomous in the process. So that to me made, makes it so attractive. I will say that I would be fearful about the commitment because I, of that part of me that can hiccup now, but I'm just so intrigued. I'm well, so, also, so intrigued. Well, also to be fair, even that part you can tailor to what suits you. I mean, there are people who have been doing it for longer than I have, but who don't do it every day. Okay. They dip in and out and they and they and they they're making huge progress. I haven't seen anybody on this that in the time I've been doing it hasn't become a better actor, whether okay. they do it that way or whether they do it every day. I would say there's a mere handful of people who do it every day. Okay. Who are like on the wall of fame because they've done 3000 um days without missing a day i have like failed to post on certain days so i don't get to be on the hall of fame well wall of fame but but it's okay because i don't care about that part of it but i but i do care about the the discipline the almost um this isn't the right place to bring religion in because we have a whole nother i knew you were going to say that i knew you were going to i know so i was trying to avoid the word because we've got a whole come whole show about that to do, don't we? Right. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, the, I, I, but I already, I kind yes. of get the gist, the essence of it is already in the air of where you're going. So yes, yeah. yeah. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I need that. I personally thrive under that kind of discipline. You know, it's probably the Nazi in me or something hideous, but what can I say? <laughs> But I, Let's you know, hope not. I, there's something there. There's gold to be mined. You know, I um, we have just a few minutes before the clock strikes, oh, and uh, this is so much fun, Terry. Oh, my I friend, actually, you know, it is so much fun. It is so much fun, and I I know that the the my listeners, which um, I'm sure I know many, many, many of them personally, but I think there's probably some out there that have gotten to know me through this process. I hope they can sense the love that I have for you through, um, the recording. Cause it is just, you know, like to, it's just a ball to be with you, you know, and, <laughs> um, and so comfortable, you know, I, um, what, what, we will, I, I say we, like I have this huge production behind me. Uh, we'll have you back, Patrick. But uh, <laughs> um, me and the dog Dixie, by the way, I will right. forever apologize just to let the folks know. So when we were staying at Patrick's, he was so gracious. Just you, gracious is in your, is your, is in your DNA, I, I think. But you were so gracious with us that you let us take your bed and, um, uh, and put your dog in it. 
She did towards the end. We tried to keep her out, but that was like the only, it was like having a baby that you had to pat, you know, like you didn't want to go in the room and give them their pacifier, but that was the only thing that shuts the baby up. So she was really pretty good given that she had just traveled 3000 miles. I know she's a good traveler, but she's a barker and she uh, would, when you were uh, uh, upstairs there and you would come down in the morning or whatever, she barked like someone was entering to rob the place. Right. Every time you did it. And I just thought, oh gosh, my dog. <laughs> me. But anyway, all that to say, uh, when I say we will have you back, me and Dixie, but um, what... What do you dream of for yourself? Um, I, 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 I'm simplifying this the older I get. I love um, being old, as you know. And the older I get, the more comfortable I am with myself. So I kind of, and, and just in the last, even since I've seen you, I've, I've crystallized this a bit, a bit but um, this whole move to Provincetown, to the Cape, has been very, very good in that it, it has given me time. It's the first time I've had time in a long time where I, I could sort of sit and take deep breaths a lot and sort of, you know, I'm still, I'm working part-time and a lot of, and I'm still doing all my routines and everything. But anyway, uh, that, I can't just answer the question, can I? Uh, what I oh, dream for yeah, myself. I don't want you. Uh, this is answering the question. Is um, um, to somehow get my little living space, which is very nominal for me. I can. I'm very very frugal, but I. But there is a need, you know, to have a roof over your head and a kitchen because I love to cook and I can only be frugal if I can make all my own meals. So I'm 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 trying to figure out a way to have something about the size of this cabin, which you know well, which is just basically a one room cabin with a little kitchen and a little place outside to eat, but it's not winterized. So I've just found a place in Provincetown for the winter. And, but I, I need to keep working on a more permanent solution to where I lay my head and, and plug in my crock pot, you know? So that's an, an immediate dream for myself. And then, I can't, London is, as you know, my heart's home. It's, it's the place, I am more in London, I'm more in love with London than any person that I have ever had in my life. Wow. And I love the people in my life. Wow. So when I say that, I don't say it lightly. It's no. just that London nourishes me. It responds to me in ways that may make me laugh and giggle and cry and just everything, you know? So, so the other half of my dream is to somehow without having to get involved with the government again, live half of my life, which I can do on a tourist visa there and half of it here, you know, and just hop back and forth. Because by doing that, I'll be able to work there because once, you know, it's very easy. I have enough credentials that they can make a case for bringing me in temporarily on a short-term work permit. So I'll be able to act occasionally there. I'm. I'm a much more successful actor in England than I'll probably ever be here. But if it, if it comes up here, fine. If it doesn't, fine too. I can do little, I can do theater things here. Although I much, much prefer film acting to theater acting. I like both. So, you know, I, I'll figure out ways to act here. I'm kind of tentatively, very tentatively working on a one-man show with song 
um, that sort of tells the whole history of through my life, but it, but it focuses, at least the first version of it, will focus on the whole history of gay rights, which I've been involved with since the 60s and, and very, very immediately involved with over through, through Harvey Milk's campaigns and all kinds of things, you know? So I want, in some way or other, uh, one of the things that I still have left to do is to tell that story. And I think a one-man show might be the way to do it. Yeah, um, we were visiting. So, I know you were so sharing. my so my my dreams right now are, are sort of midterm. There's but they're they're very concrete, and I just I'm just not I don't have enough time left for my dreams to be very far out there in the future, and I don't have enough time left to not be living them while I'm getting to them. Wow, which is why the the self tape helps because like we said, I get to act every day. So you know right there that was one of my dreams my whole life and i'm doing it so no nobody's buying a ticket and i'm not getting paid but i'm definitely doing it yes and you are and in some of the materials and i know that you shared with me just recently that you are looking at a way to sort of make them available to us even though that might not yeah. necessarily have ever been your intention but you, it was just uh, so, some of what i got to see was breathtaking and i want to return to it and um and oh, then i, I also know that you, hmm? can i just quickly ask one thing yes if you wanted to the a link to like the twain film for instance is, would that be useful to you to have on yeah, your- Yeah, absolutely. I was just going okay. to mention the Twain film. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, and, and then we can, because when I have you back, I would love to break that down. I mean, yeah. Jonathan and I talk about that, you know? So um, anyway, it, more more to come on that. But yeah, please, because I can include that um, in when I advertise this and also in the in the notes. But yeah. you are- uh, are so appreciated in my life and no you and my and I and and I and I know and I believe that you know like I really believe that from you you are I feel you are a lover of who I am and welcome me and it just is so reciprocated I will be your London you will be my London <laughs> and um, and I will get my butt there if you are there in something so I can come and see you. I mean, that would be, that would be a flip out dream um, for me, but I adore you. I don't have a chin that's quivering in sadness because I know I'm going to have you back on this. And plus, you know, we are reconnected and, and, and we ain't going anywhere. So no. thank you so much. Don't <clears throat> go away. I'm going to say a, a, a personal goodbye to you when I stop recording this, but um, I, I thank you so much for the richness that you brought to the Terry Summers podcast today. Oh, thank you, Terry. I love you. I love you. Hang on. Don't go anywhere. Okay. Am I right? Like when I said that I'm on a high today from spending time with him, I mean, I really am. I'm in the best mood. Um, when, you know, someone comes into your world and your life that just resonates with you like that, that resonation, that reverberation um, is awakening and it brings energy to and helps distribute energy. And I feel like I've had a ton of coffee. I just, I love that kind of exchange. And he is genuine as the day is long. And that doesn't hurt either. Um, I can't wait to have him back. I just want to let you guys spend to, 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 
to marinate in what he had to share and say. Um, and we will invite him back and spend more time with them. There's so much there. But what do you think about those consecutive days of committing to something without faltering? Oh, whatever. Oh, my goodness. Here's to not drifting. There you go. Thank you, David Patrick Stuckey, for the beautiful time that you lent me and my audience today. And you guys, until we meet again, my phone is a buzz and I'm going to go get it, but I will uh, be back next week. Bye. <laughs>